Today on the podcast, we are talking to president and CEO of Consumers Energy, Garrick Rochow, and we're going to be talking about infrastructure, we'll talk about clean energy, its reliability, and the last year of Garrick's life sitting in the chair as CEO. Guest today, President and CEO of Consumers Energy, Garrick Rochelle. My friend, how are you? Doing well. It's a it's a good day. Uh, it's a great day in Michigan here. It's great to be with you, Eric. It is uh, great to have you with us. I'm super excited to jump into this. And I want to say two things right off the bat. Uh, one, you're either past or knocking on the door of 18 years with consumers. So congratulations on that. But you're also knocking on the door of your anniversary of president and CEO. And I wonder, I kind of want to start there. What has this last year been like for you kind of navigating through COVID? And not only that, but uh, weather-wise, it's been a ride, Garrick. I just start with this, you know, with this pandemic, I don't think anyone expected it would last this long, go on for have this many different variants. And so coming into the role of CEO, it's great that I've been with the company for 18 years. I've got a lot of relationships built. And frankly, that's how we continue to deliver to our customers. Uh, but again, it's it's a difficult place. And I certainly have a lot of respect for other business leaders out there who are, are going through some of those same same challenges and how we work, how the future of work and, and, uh, and, and to the remaining stages of the pandemic. And then, uh, you know, you, you mentioned to the weather That's certainly August was certainly, a, you know, an important mess month for us from a reliability perspective and certainly appreciate all the patience our customers had uh, during that window. And, and we're working uh, and we'll, I'm sure you'll, you'll ask about it, but uh, we're working to continue to improve the system. Absolutely. But I want to start with this clean energy plan because I think this is a fascinating place to start. So in 2018, you roll out this plan to Michigan to say, hey, this is what we're going to do for clean energy going forward. But then in June of 2021, you're like, oh, yeah, that thing we told you three years ago, we just chopped 15 years off of it. And now we're going to do this thing. So, Garrick, I'm wondering, in those three years, what happened before June of 2021 that you guys saw, okay, we can do this much faster than we initially thought. Let's do that. The world is changing quickly and we learn more, we grow more through uh, learning, but here's the important piece that I want you to walk away with. And hopefully your listeners walk away with too, is we have an opportunity to lead what I call, we call it lead the clean energy transformation in there. Our industry is going through a transformation from traditional power plants that were coal fired, there were big central stations to a more distributed network of how energy is, is, is produced. And it's renewable, it's clean. So not only is it get the planet benefits from it, but in fact, uh, we, it's, it's more reliable in terms of how it serves. Uh, our, our program's remarkable that way. And it's also cost less for our customers. And so it's a win across the board. And just to give you an idea of the, the planet benefits, the clean air benefits, it's the equivalent of taking 12 and a half million cars off the road from a CO2 perspective. Wow. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's big numbers. We're one of the first utilities in the nation uh, to move through this, uh, through this transition here, this transformation and eliminate coal. Uh, and so we're really excited about the plan and what it means for Michigan. And so again, we've grown, we've learned since our last plan, but as leaders, as leaders of companies and looking for the future, we can deliver all of the above. And that's what we want to do for our customers. 
And so in that plan, Garrick, is, is the plans in 2023 to have shut down CARN 1 and CARN 2, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. And as somebody who has no perspective on what that means, could you maybe give me kind of like a high level look of stepping that down, kind of what that process is like? So I would offer this first. So I started 18 years ago in our coal plant. So it was at a different coal plant, but I had responsibilities throughout my career in many of our coal plants. And there's just some good, hardworking men and women that ensure every day Michiganders have the energy they need. And so first and foremost, as we think about plant closures, it's about our coworkers and taking care of our coworkers. But if I was to step back, at one point we had 12 coal plants and we've retired seven of them already. We've got a bit of a process. We've got to get a bit of a game plan and a book yeah. on how we do that to, again, first and foremost, take care of our coworkers. I mean, it's personal for me. That's where I started with the company. I had mentors. I had leaders there. I had colleagues there. And so I'm close. And so it's important to take care of those coworkers and make sure they have a place within Consumers Energy. There's other areas and other important work that we do and to do that. And then it's the community. Those plants are important tax base, important part of the community. And so we work with those local communities, just like we've done in areas like Luna Pier and Muskegon and other areas, to ensure that uh, they can reimagine and redefine what their community looks like. We don't tell them what to do, but we are part of that and support that process so they can reimagine economic development and growth in that area and how to use those sites uh, in the future for other community type activities or, or businesses. And as we talk about that innovation again in the plan in about three and a half years, uh, we're earmarked to be at about 35% renewable energy, which is triple where we are right now. And one of the things as I've been going through this learning process with consumers is I'm constantly impressed with how nimble this company is for how ginormous it is in reality. And so I'm wondering maybe from an infrastructure perspective, you've got a lot of pieces on the board that you're trying to, I mean, you just talked about coal, we can talk about clean natural gas, we can talk about all of that stuff, but maybe what goes into the logistics of going, all right, we're at 11% renewable right now, we need to be at 35 in three and a half years, go. Well, one of our values, we got five values that we hold uh, through our culture. And one of those values is agility. And so I think I, what I hear you saying is we're doing good at that value. And yes. so, yes, you are. <laughs> so that is very much true as, uh, and the good thing about this kind of solar build out we have, it's, it's already well underway. And so uh, there's, we're building solar, we're building wind farms uh, here this year and into 2022 to make that transition possible. But you really get to the logistics of it and it's working with landowners. It's working with the agricultural community. It's, it's working in the local community to really understand how we're going to do that in a thoughtful way. And um, when I say thoughtful, how we're going to respect those who own land in the area, the zoning requirements, the community, and, and to show them that we're here. You know, we've been in business for 135 years. We're not going anyplace and, and letting them know that we're going to continue to take care of uh, their locations and sites as we develop the solar and wind, and wind farms. Hey, there's a great example. The, the company's Herbrooks, and Herbrooks is the big egg manufacturer, um, or egg, you know, egg farm agricultural uh, business up there in the Ionia area. And we just put a solar, uh, you know, solar farm in, in that area, and they've multi-purposed it. So you got this beautiful solar farm producing clean, renewable energy, low-cost energy, and then below it in the grass, because grass becomes an issue, they've got sheep running around. And so it's this, it's this. How, how do you have this nice relationship between agriculture and clean energy, 
so that we can uh, really have the best of both worlds. And that's what we have. That's the balance we strike. And it's, that's the logistics piece that we work through so that we can uh, build out this, this great plan. So as we're talking about solar, can you give me a framework of how much solar is in this clean energy bill? Like what can consumers, the literal consumers, what can they expect as far as solar from consumers energy? And there's about 8,000 megawatts of solar. It's going to be built over the next 20 years. And so it's, uh, they're going to see we're in the midst of building about 1,100 megawatts, 1,100 megawatts out now through 2025, 25 through 27, it's 1,200 megawatts. And it, I'm sure they've been driving around the community and they may have seen one of these larger scale solar developments. And so it's, uh, it's, it's usually we look at less productive type land from an agricultural perspective and, and lay out a grid work and the solar work. And so they'll see it in their communities. We're in the Washtenaw area right now and other communities in South, South Michigan. Some of our wind, we have uh, one other wind farm to build this year. It's up in Gratiot County. And so we are always work to be thoughtful with the community, have lots of community meetings, lots of uh, connection with uh, the, local, the local community, the local customers to make sure it fits within the community and, and uh, it's, a good, it's a good match. Now, Garrick, you mentioned both solar and wind. And one of the things that I'm constantly hearing as I'm talking about clean energy, specifically to what you guys are doing, is this word reliability. Can I trust the wind power, the solar power, because I've been doing it this way for X amount of years. And I'm wondering in a state like Michigan, which offers all sorts of unique things for you guys to navigate through, when we talk about reliability, what are your thoughts on that? Let me be clear, it's a top priority. And I would also offer this, we saw it in Texas, no one wants Texas on their hands. That's, and I mean, that's my commitment to all of our customers that we're going to have a reliable system out there. And, and we recognize the wind doesn't always blow and the sun doesn't always shine. Uh, and sometimes there's weather, but that's part of the, how we think about it from a placement perspective. And so you can have uh, sunny weather in, in Grand Haven, Michigan, and you could have cloudy weather in Port Huron, or you can have sunny weather in Mackinac or cloudy weather near the Indiana border. And so, again, we look at how do we build that network out so that we can take advantages of the differences even in Michigan's weather and both from a sun and wind perspective. So that's that's a big part of it. The other piece of it is ensuring there's, uh, you know, the backup because it, it is intermittent nature. And we have a beautiful asset over in Mason County, the Ludington Pump Storage Facility. Facility. It's one of the fourth largest pump storage facilities in the world. So if you've been up in Ludington, you've seen some of the wind farms right by the lake, there's that great facility that can, you know, ebb and flow uh, with energy and, and produce energy at any time. So when the wind stops blowing, it's there to provide uh, energy needs. Batteries will be a part of the future, particularly as the costs come down, that'll be a part of the solution as well. And then another piece is, is clean natural gas. And that's part of both the natural gas and renewable natural gas that allows us to ensure there's energy there whenever our customers need it. Again, that's our top priority. And we've designed a system that this plan that I talked about that you, you asked about is more reliable than previous plans. And, and we had great reliability before. All right, let's shift gears a little bit because you have another part of what you guys are doing and it revolves around infrastructure. It's the EDIIP. Most people who are watching this or listening to this interview hear infrastructure. It's in the news nearly constantly. But when you're dealing with, let's say, 15 second sound bites, or maybe if we're lucky, a 16, uh, you know, 60 second sound bite, it's hard to understand 
all that goes into an infrastructure like that. So can you talk to me about the EDIP and what that infrastructure will do for Michiganders? Yeah, well, let's start with the acronym itself. Like, let's break that down. <laughs> we love our sure. acronyms. Yeah. And I would just have our, have our customers think about this way. It's improving the infrastructure, the electric reliability infrastructure, the, the poles and the wires, transformers and substations. So you asked the question about reliability and you asked it in terms of solar and renewables. So there's supply side, making sure there's energy there. And then we have to deliver that energy. And that comes through the poles and wires and transformers and substations. And so those are the things that are impacted by storms. And just like you see it on the roadways, we need to make that same investment infrastructure to keep the electric highways up and available for our customers to be able to go through serious storms like we saw in August. And so it's important that we're out replacing old poles. We're building new substations where there's new energy demands. Maybe it's an industrial customer. Maybe it's just a subdivision that's that's grown here in Michigan. And so that's the work that's underway. And it's, again, we're one of the largest investors in Michigan, one of the largest employers in Michigan, particularly when it comes with all our contractors. And all that money is being put to good use to improve infrastructure with jobs here in Michigan. And our customers should really love it because, again, it's going to improve reliability. Our reliability that distribution spend, what prevents outages for our customers is increased by 60% uh, wow. over the last few few years. And so it's things like, like I talked about, replacing poles and wire, but it's also tree trimming. That's our largest cause of outages. All right. So you talked about August a couple times in the course of this interview, and I want to end here because this is a... A, a part of what consumers energy does that, that I don't think a lot of people get to see. And so I want to ask you, so we know storms are coming. Consumers energy has a plan for those storms are coming and the plan, let's say doesn't go to plan and we get what happened in August. What is the after action? Like what, you know, what learnings do you guys bring into meetings after that so that you can figure out how to make it? So perhaps if you have some control that things like that don't happen again, and then evolve that into innovation so that you're preparing in a different manner in case another storm comes away. Can you talk about how that works? Yeah. And I'll start here with very similar to why I started the conversation with you. Again, I appreciate our customers' patience. It's not lost on me. Uh, the impact when someone, you know, loses a refrigerator worth of food or they're delayed and have these large outages that impacts their life. We get that. And customers' expectations around electric and reliability are continued to increase. And again, we understand that. And as I shared earlier, it is a top priority for us. And so we take it very seriously and again, express appreciation for our customers' patience during the August August event. And so we do do a thorough review after every one of those events. But I would start out, we saw part of that storm coming, we brought additional resources into the state. And one of my favorite stories to share was actually when I was out visiting with some of our crews who were restoring out there, they do amazing work. I pulled up on this electric service worker who was restoring a service to a pole, to an individual home, had been knocked down by a tree on the customer's property and we were reinstalling. And you remember the mosquitoes, how many mosquitoes we had this year? Yes. There's just mosquitoes everywhere. He's wearing his safety glasses. They're all fogged up. He's sweating like you wouldn't believe. Mosquitoes everywhere. He's been, he told me he'd sprayed down three or four times, but yet he's out there giving, giving his all to restore our customers. We have amazing coworkers. And so I want to recognize them as well. But to get to your question, definitely an after action review. 
Uh, we're looking at how do we in, increase our uh, forestry spend, the number one cause of outages. We're doing some of that already this year to improve the system. As we talked about the electric reliability spend, the EDIP, the EDIIP, that's another piece to improve the spend. And then we also look at how do we respond? Again, we're getting better in terms of, we use a, I won't say the name of the product because uh, for you know, fear of trade type stuff, but <laughs> we're using more, we're using more automation in our ability to see weather forecast and predict where it'll hit and how much it'll impact our system. And so we can mobilize resources there in advance. And so also further modernization of the electric grid. So I can see uh, uh, further into the substation, further into the equipment and do more automation and actually direct um, our great uh, line workers and utility workers to the point of failure much quicker. And so those are all things that are underway and all part of the after action review and our commitment to improving our customers' reliability. Absolutely awesome, my friend. Garrick Rochelle, it has been an absolute pleasure to spend a couple of minutes with you. Have a wonderful rest of October and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate the opportunity. Take care.